Welcome back to Chewing It Over. I'm Jack Chew, and I apologise straight out the gates for the fact that that intro music is no quieter, is it? I still haven't been able to sort that out. We can't find the video. It exists on this module. If I stop using it, then we, start, like, we just need a replacement, so I'm sorry about that. It's been often complained about, but um, all the worst shows start with an apology, so I'm sorry about that. See what I did there? Um, I've got a great show planned for our return. I've, I was off on holiday for a couple of weeks. That's why we've been off. And instead of me trying to press the team to try and replace it and stuff, I thought, well, everyone's having bits of time off in August. I don't think uh, the audience will envy us that. So we haven't had any shows for a couple of weeks, which means we ever we creep ever closer to the 200th episode, but it's not there yet because we had a couple of weeks off. So I'm pleased to be back, especially for this show. As you might see in the title below me, it says the show must go on, but with consequences, question mark, right? The ominous question that we're asking. And we're asking that of Liz Bailey, who's been on the show before and is a physiotherapist working currently in the, in the West End. And um, she's, she's someone who I really wanted to ask the question as to what's been going on over there in the West End, because it's such a perfect example of the cultural opening up process that we're having in the UK, but then also the associated occupational um, and sporting, for want of a better term, artistic related challenges that, that, that people do when they're doing interesting things with their bodies, right? What's going on there? Uh, what's she been experiencing? What insights can she share with us? And what can we all learn from it as well as it being interesting in and of itself? So kindly she's joining me once again, and hopefully in the click of a couple of buttons, we can speak to Liz. Can you hear me? Hi, Jack. I can hear you. Thank can you hear me? Thanks for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Is this is this two time or three time tune it over guest? No, this is only the second time. Only the second round. Right. <laughs> only okay. two. Well, I'll, I'll, only the only two. I'll, I'll look forward to the hat trick as long as I don't upset you today. Um, just for those that don't know, just tell folk a little bit about your background, and then we'll jump straight into the subject matter. My background. Yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to get quicker at saying this so let's try use this as a trial so I, I have danced my whole life I was a professional dancer for 15 years and then when I started to get injured myself I got injured uh, injured I got interested in injuries and anatomy physiology all that kind of stuff and decided to retrain as a sports therapist um, and then about five or six years later I decided to do a master's in physio so which is how I got to be in a physio now so obviously my background is in performance and dance so I ultimately wanted to end up working with dancers because it just seems the best use of my skills um, I'm very happy to say that I do do that I have done it for about 12 years clinically I worked out like from being a sports therapist to now it's been 11 or 12 years that I've actually worked with dancers in a sort of a clinical um, setting so um, and now just for the last couple of months, I, I've been working on The Lion King in London. So I'm now the resident physio on The Lion King, but that's with a company called West End Osteopathy. So that company has lots of different um, shows in the West End, but I spend most of my time with The Lion King in London and lots of other ones as well. Fantastic. Well, such a perfect uh, person, therefore, to talk to about this, because we're just saying off air that we we're both happy with the term a perfect storm because it feels that you've had this inter you know massive psychosocial pressure for want of a better term right the circumstances surrounding people as it's been stressful and we reopen and the shows are about to or are getting going again that also then couples with a spike in literal training load because yeah. of the nature of then having been off for a period of time. So I just want to open with that question really, is if, if we're already sort of saying it's a, it's a perfect storm, what are the factors that are affecting it and how, and how is it all going down there? 
Uh, yeah, it's a good question. And we kind of knew it was coming because when you and I spoke, I think it was April that we last spoke on Chewing It Over and I was sort of just waiting to get back into the dance world. Shows weren't open. They weren't even in rehearsals. And we talked about it then. Um, but we kind of knew it was going to be a problem. Um, when I got the job, I was speaking with my boss, but we were screening dancers over the phone just to see how they were doing and get an idea of what they'd been doing for 15 months with their bodies. Um, and it kind of came back that a lot of them were like, yeah, we've been on top of it. You know, we've been walking our 10,000 steps a day and I've been doing my yoga, my stretching. And in the back of my head, I was thinking, oh Lord, that's, that's not a show fit kind of uh, regime, you know, but that is very typical of what a dancer would do to stay fit. So I, I sort of wasn't really surprised by it. Um, so you had this sort of extended period where they weren't dancing and they weren't in shows. Um, but they were also limited in what they could do training wise so a lot of them couldn't get to the gym or or they would have had gym memberships and when they opened they would have gone but they would, didn't have money because they wouldn't they weren't working um there were those times in isolation when they were only allowed to leave the house once a day so if they were able to run or you know there were all these limitations on what they could do physically um and then of course they come back into rehearsals and the rehearsals are full on because they have to be you can't change the way that a show is taught because of a situation like lockdown so you, you have a massive spike in um, the activity they're being asked to do. And of course, people aren't really fit enough and injuries happen. And I, I was on various different shows, like I say, Lion King is just one of them, um, as all of them went into rehearsals at the same period. So that doesn't often happen. Usually in, in London, you shows are open and then they close and they open and they go into rehearsals all at different times because it depends yeah. on the schedules. Of but of course, this time, they all kind of went into rehearsals around June, July. So my poor, my boss, the company that handles all these shows is suddenly like inundated with people who are in a rehearsal situation, which we know usually gives you more, uh, more injuries than a performance situation. But they're all at the same time. So it, yeah. was, it was pretty full on. Difficult. Yeah, I think, I think it's, that's, that's definitely an interesting factor that I hadn't considered is that you, you're not going to get that space in and therefore you're going to have a, a pressure and a workforce pressure from therapy as well on, on therapy um as, as a lot of people are facing in other sectors as well is that, is that as the world opens up people doing interesting things with their bodies again we're seeing that across sport as well as it happens um not just professionally but but um of course uh, in the amateur ranks and semi-pro and stuff all getting going again um did you know, we want to make sure, and I wanted to say ahead of time that we want to try and be quite non-specific uh, on the on the case studies because it's something that we want to be sensitive to things not being identifiable, and so we are speaking generally, and it's appropriate for us to do so. Yeah. Um, but in in general, when I think even about say runners, there are some types of runners that that are just running is the way in which they manifest their energy, and if they take take the running away, they will find a proxy for it. And then there's others that they're just running devotees right they would if they weren't running they, they, they struggle it takes for someone like us to say what if you did something else and it's then the penny drops right and they don't mean to but they just love that is dancing similar in that you've got dancers that some dancers that would then you know, find find its equivalent um yeah when up when when underexposed to it but then also do you also have dancers that then they dance because they love to dance and therefore replacing that load uh, or, or that activity in any which way it wasn't easy for them Yes. And I suppose the big difference here is that to dance, you need space. There is space outside, but I mean, in reality, how often do you go to a park and dance? Now, in my, I actually do that. <laughs> I, yeah. 
Okay, I've been known to do that in my wellies. Like I've danced around Wimbledon Common when I used to yeah. walk my dog because there was no one around and I had music on and I'd just be like, oh, I just want to dance. And I would. I actually, I'm sure I'm, yeah, not yeah. Alone. I'm sure I'm not alone in that. That's kind of what dancers do. You know, you just, you, you've got a bit of space and you think, oh, I could do a bit of dance. But, you know, but when you talk about actually dancing for you to train your skill set and not to lose your technique you need you actually need a big open space with quite an even floor of a certain type of um, material like it kind of needs to be wooden or something you can turn on so you, there's a certain requirement for what you really do need in order to keep up your your you know your skill um and when when the lockdown happened um like i know for a fact that scottish ballet because i'm friends and talk to the, the physios there sent out all their dancers flooring and bars so that they had the stuff at home that they needed to be able to do a set. but that doesn't cover when you start doing things like the, the stuff that travels across the room the big leaps and the jumps which is called the allegro and the grand allegro this is in ballet and sure. um, the sa same is said of musical theater so anything that requires big leaps or you know traveling steps you cannot do that in a lockdown situation unless you go to the park like I might have done. But even then you're in trainers, you're on grass. It's not the same. No. You know? So trying to recreate those that at home is almost impossible. Um, and there's been various things done to try and replicate it. Like um, I would found this, uh, there's like a, a five part course, which was done by one dance. And I can't remember the name of the practitioner who did it, but it was called a five week jump, ma jump maintenance program for dancers who were in lockdown. So it was effectively getting you to use your jump technique and your power and your speed, your rate of um, force production to so that you didn't lose it over lockdown. And it was a whole thing of warming up and then various different jump sequences and explosive things to try and get people to to do that. And it's not traveling. It's all it's all sort of static on the spot. But it certainly replicated some of the things that you would need in order to do the Grand Allegro, the Allegro and the traveling steps in shows or, at, you know, at a high level of dance. And I thought that was brilliant. One dance was so good to um, put that out there. I saw it retrospectively after it had already been done. It was back in July at some, at some point. Um, so there were ways of doing it, but it's it's far from ideal. And yeah, it challenges all of our yeah. challenges all of us for, and it will be a good test when the final analysis comes for us to understand those that always want to lump skills together to say that you should all train them in the whole, and then there's those that delineate it almost too far, you would argue, uh, into the nitty gritty, um, and then there's always someone in between. There were certain circumstances, this being one of them, where the whole task could not be replicated with it with any ease, especially not with any specificity. I remember yeah. in the Olympics, you're watching, I didn't even think about it until you're watching the Olympics, and it was Holly Bradshaw, and it was like she couldn't pole vault for a time. It's like, in what world could you replicate that? She's, you know, garden, going through the motions, and the amount of visualization she must have done and stuff. And so she's trying to yeah. simulate parts of it because she can't do the whole. I imagine mm -hmm. it's a little version of that, isn't it? Uh, or, or very similar. Yeah. And, and but, but like you're describing, is that, you know, Static static jump sequences uh, in in a, in a small room is still better than not doing them and to, to not train both body tissue and and, and the mind of course to, to yeah. go through those motions and to stay in touch with it. What do you say if I if I forced you on on sort of say percentages or ratios in terms of how how many how many managed it? Um, and I, I'm not bringing with it any judgment at all on the on the athletes because you know it's, it's such a unique circumstance, but. What percentage of them nailed it and did all that they could? Um, at what percentage of them really struggled with it and, and what might be in between? It's really hard to put a percentage on it. I can't yeah, think. Um, I'd, I'd say, I'd say a, a very low percentage did what they needed to do to be show fit. 
like almost none like to be honest like like maybe 10 percent if we're mm. if we're you know being like mm. quite generous with it um but i think that's partly to do with the first thing is not knowing and this is where i get on my you know soapbox and i'm like dancers don't know what it takes to be show fit and i'm we'll, we can talk about it in, in a minute um a big part of that is they just didn't know so when i was asking them okay what have you been doing to stay fit over lockdown they'd be like yeah i've been doing my stretches but they were really proud of that they didn't think there was anything wrong with it you know and these are the dancers that are going to go and have to jump with a massive heavy costume on holding puppets you know or literally and I, when i say puppets it makes it sound like if let's do, let's use lion king as an example because it's it's out there people know the show they're holding two gazelles which weigh like i don't know how many kilos each, and there's a gazelle on their head yeah it's not it's not sooty and sweet it's is not it? yeah it's not sock puppets like I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking the gazelles are like like a meter and a half long yeah. they're heavy i went i did this i held them i was like let me try it because i wanted to see so you're holding these two huge great big things which are really unbalanced You've got one on your head, which is really difficult to suspend. And then they're going to be doing like leap after leap after leap after leap to represent the gazelles in the show, right? And these guys are the, are the ones that are going, yeah, I've been doing my stretches. Like, it doesn't even come close to what you need. Think about the shoulder strength, the core strength, the neck stability, the power that they need in their lower limbs to get up with the extra weight. So, but they didn't know that. And I kind of, in my head, I was going, why didn't they know that? And I got a bit frustrated and then I was like, Jesus, Liz, think about what you were like when you were a professional dancer. I was the laziest dancer in the world. <laughs> I, in between contracts, I would do nothing, 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 nothing. In fairness, I was only 23. So I, I sort of had, you know, I had age on my side and I was sort of young and fit. And, but I wasn't, by the way. I'm fitter now than I ever was as a dancer. Sure. Um, I'm going off on a tangent now. Which no, I don't, but let's just poke into that tangent a little bit because I think that some of what, might surprise people is that that, that 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 complacency is a bit of a privilege of not then having a natural descent into weight gain and other other factors like that isn't it is that something that either you or others can be you know because of you know the the, the disposition of, of of being a dancer does that does that because it might surprise the lay person that that would be even an option um because what you mean to not do anything yeah so, yeah. so like you said to, yeah. to, to, to regress that far would sometimes uh, surprised because then you would then really not be be never mind show fit but just able to retain and be able to go again but, but I mean age was, does help with that I guess. Age, age helps like uh, the funny thing was is that I just in my head I was like oh but I'm fit because I'm a dancer you know and I right. kind of I, I've got the body type I'm very fortunate where actually I I don't put on weight <laughs> but so I didn't have to do it for aesthetic reasons I guess but I never yeah. considered, I never even thought, and I forget how much I've learned. You know, I'm like, why don't they know? And I'm like, oh, but it's taken me 12 years to get to this point. So I totally take it for granted that that they would think to even, that they would need to condition themselves to be able to jump high or fast or for a long time or repetitively or with extra weight or consider any of those things because I definitely didn't. And I didn't do a show like The Lion King when I was dancing professionally, but as you know, I did Moulin Rouge, which mm. has some similarities in the amount of um, athleticism needed in certain numbers and the big costumes we used to wear. And I got injured because of those for sure. And I just, I just wasn't strong. Um, so, Yes, does that answer? Yeah, definitely, no, yeah. it definitely does. That, that's that's what I was getting at with that when with the tangent. I think, yeah, why why is it then? Let's just try and see if we can 
offer a, an idea as to why that might be. Lack of education from my side. Yeah, but then it's like you said, though, would you think it'd be more instinctive than that, though, wouldn't it? Like, what? Yeah. Not even, it's not even close to a simulated movement, is it? Like, if they're just maintaining their body, is that a complacency, a, a degree, a degree of arrogance about that fitness? No, or it's what? not. It's not. It's cultural. That's what it is. Right. So, and I've come to figure this out from speaking to other people. So I did I did a podcast with Matt recently on the Sports Therapy Association. We were talking about this. And I think it's a culture thing and it's a tradition thing. So dancers traditionally will dance to stay fit and maintain their show fitness. But traditionally wouldn't really cross train except for Pilates. So that's I did ah, a tweet. That's right. Yeah, I saw yeah. you. I saw so you, I did this tweet, which really, yeah. which really kind of blew up because I think people really got it, which was fantastic. I yeah. um, and I basically said, you know what? It's taken years and years, and I mean like 50 years, for Pilates to become the absolute go-to for dancers. There's not a dancer that hasn't done it. Everyone uses it. Everyone thinks it's the the be all and end all of injury prevention. We now know it does help train you and condition you a little bit, but it's not the be all and end all of, of of injury prevention by any means, not even close. Most of Pilates is done lying down, right? So how can it possibly replicate the demands of a performance? It just doesn't. Mm. And I get so passionate about it because I get it now and I'm trying to teach people this. So, so the poor dancers at Lion King are like, oh my Lord, <laughs> like she's always, <laughs> always on at us because she wants us to do more. And like yesterday I did um, a conditioning class for one of the shows that I work with and I was getting them to do jump maintenance um, strength stuff, plyometrics, all that kind of thing. And, and I was like, it's not going to be dancing, just go with me. And they seemed to find it quite challenging. And there was a bit where I, I was meant to do a full hour and about half hour, I was thinking, oh, Jesus, this is really hard. But the reason I pushed it is because that particular show is off because of COVID. And I was like, if you guys had a show tonight, I wouldn't push it. But you don't have a show tonight, yeah, yeah, so let's yeah. do it. And that's one of the other barriers. It's a huge, huge barrier is that they've got these shows and they do eight shows a week. And when they're in rehearsals, they're dancing up to like 10, 12 hours a day. So when the hell do you do the conditioning work? You know, like you've got- And how do you make sure your conditioning work isn't the thing that overloads them? That's the thing that's interesting, isn't it? Trying to bring in different stimuli. Um, which, which is what you and and you know you and Matt are kindred spirits on this, and I, I think I did mention that whilst I was away on Twitter when I had a look and I saw that tweet thread going off, uh, and I agree with it, and it does it did yeah. remind me of, of Matt Phillips making similar points years ago on Physio Matters uh, about that, uh, which was which was interesting because yeah you've got that almost that type that culture as you mentioned it as to as to why that is the staple diet for exercise of dancers and therefore that's what we do we dance and we stretch and we if we do uh, cross training it's because we're doing some slow low load controlled movements low for stability yeah. um, and, and and often it's that contrast as well isn't it that they maybe are trying to appeal to is i do loads of impl- explosive intense work in my job therefore i'm going to do the flip reverse exactly. of that exactly. whereas actually yeah. it's you know maybe that's too much of a contrast um, totally. I, wondered, I wonder if i could just ask um but well, actually before i do I, I, as often happens especially because i'm getting excited to be back on air uh, i'm not asking the audience so dear live audience sorry for ignoring you to now if you've got any questions and comments then please do post them especially want to ask you directly do you recognize any of these what might seem like niche variables in a way because we're applying them quite specifically here to a, a quite unique circumstance are you recognizing any of these overload factors affecting wherever it is that you work, uh, particularly with regards to occupational factors? I want to ask, are you noticing as, as even 
even people I've had uh, people mentioning to me and we noticed in the physio matters survey recently that we've been doing that uh, people are saying about that people complaining about their commutes again right uh, getting really? stuck in traffic again do you know what I mean like people people just asking different things of their bodies not even in high load circumstances but circumstances have changed and changed quickly again haven't they so yeah. uh, I just want to ask anyone that's listening live then please do yeah join join the conversation I will come to your comments uh, in the last five Liz before we go there though um what I want to ask is, is there an atmosphere in the sort of West End with regards to any bitterness, resentment? Is there, is there politics in the air generally because of the, 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 the circumstance? And we needn't go into our take on those matters. Me and you have been fairly vocal in that direction and we could go there, but we've not got long enough, I guess. So I'm just meaning like, is there a, yeah, I, I might, resentment might feel like a heavy word, but it's just like there's been a massive disruption to people's careers at a time which is a short career often for performers. So yeah. I just wondered you, if I could get your take on that. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, well, very, very vocally, so I'm not going to be you know, um, saying anything I shouldn't hear, but Andrew Lloyd Webber has been incredibly vocal about just how terribly the arts have been treated through the whole process. And it's completely screwed his shows up. Cinderella and Joseph are both off at the moment. Yeah. So um, At a moment's notice as well. At a moment's like notice, yeah. And it happens to Lion I can say this again because it's public knowledge. It's on social media. It's happened to Lion King. So we opened. We actually we, we made opening night, which I didn't think was going to happen. And then we only did about a week of shows. And then we, we had to close because of um, various COVID testing. Which stuff. further delays our planned drinks, which upsets me as well. Yes. And, well, weirdly, two people for that I know from Twitter would have seen the show last week so i would have met two different my twitter friends that i had never met i was so excited and then the show I mean, <laughs> not that that's the most important thing but it is but yeah i mean it is yeah but um so yes i mean to get back to what you're saying it's yeah that's so the arts has basically not been treated great it's kind of been pushed under the the blank of the carpet a little bit um so there is a little bit of an air resentment but that's i think that that's oh that's trumped totally by the excitement of being back everyone is just so thrilled to be there like we were in the theater one day it was a sunday and a dance captain said to me, oh, it's Sunday. And he was like, but we're here. You know, just, we were so happy to be in the theater. So it's just, sure. it's, such, it's such a gift. Um, and there probably is a little, I reckon it probably has a slight impact on how people feel about their injuries when they happen. I reckon there's like, it's almost like it was, there's an external locus of control, isn't there? Like it wasn't their fault. They couldn't train that it was COVID. It was, there's an element of that a little bit, just generally. There's definitely a, a little bit of kind of blame, which is totally justified, I think. Like, as much as I was like, you could do jumping at home, people didn't, and there's many, many reasons that they didn't, which yeah. is why they're getting injured more. But I think that probably there's an element in the back of people's heads. It's it's made injuries more complicated in that way because uh, there's there's it's more multifactorial. There's more, yeah, there's almost an element of blame, isn't there? It's not their fault. The government did this, and there was COVID, and they couldn't dance, and they couldn't train, and we were taken off, and then, yeah, everything's been a mess, and... So there definitely is a political, there's something going on. Like the, the night that Lion King closed, there were tears because it's just the frustration oh, of being open. You're there. And, you know, of course, and that's from the cast and the audience. I mean, the audience were on the doorstep about to come in, you know. Uh, well, I, I, and, I'd admit, I'll admit that, that, that not just that story, but stories like it on some shows and some sporting circumstances where, uh, you know, that, that has then... Have been dealt yet another crushing blow and stuff. It's really, yeah. it's really getting to me. It was a few weeks back, especially mm. um, because I think mainly, and I say this kind of being in touch with uh, someone that's I've always been 
say more 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 into sport than I'm into art, right? Especially when it comes to say painting, right? You're going to get me playing football rather than painting. The bridge between <laughs> so the thing that's made me more sensitive as I've grown older to art is almost through physical performance, right? So I, I've started to respect art and form and become a bit more cultured in that direction in part because I married well and so I went to shows, right? But but generally speaking, I kind of came to understand um, that through dance and through performance and started to respect it because it was athletic. I could get in touch with that and be interested in that and then started to then uh, get to know and, and enjoy the story as well. What I'm getting at is I, I see in some of the cultural critique and the re- uh, it's seen as being frivolous and hedonistic and, and, and sort of an accessory and something that's just a bonus. It's like a 1% on the top of things. Yeah. Whereas actually, I just I, I just disagree with that on a fundamental philosophical level and moral level about the fact that, no, it's it's what we what we live for. Right? These aren't these aren't accessory add-ons that are sort of really frivolous and hedonistic. Instead, I think, I think they're fundamental to the culture. They're things that make us tick. They're the ways in which we express ourselves. Uh, yeah. they're, they're, they're the stories of our time that, that can help us to transmit the important emotions and I think that that is something that quality high-end professional performers are living that in quite a deep way and it's not just a case of oh what am I doing with my body today it's that they're embodying parts that they play and they act and they and they, uh, they perform on stage and stuff and I think that 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 must be so exhausting Never mind the physical, right? The emotional turmoil yeah. of yo-yoing with that must be massive. Now, I've just gone off on one a little bit there to, to, to make sure my point is, is clear and declared to the audience that, that I think these are factors that have been underplayed. And I'm therefore not surprised and deeply sympathetic to anyone in that in the in the cast that are having those emotions played with on a regular basis. It would be bizarre if that wasn't affecting their injury profile. Yeah. Which is obviously what I'm sort of inviting there with you, is that what why why wouldn't it? And by the sound of things, it is. I think I think it is physically, but like like I say, I think just the mental load of it. So you're finally back, and then you get an injury that potentially could make you miss your opening night. So obviously, loads of theatres had their opening nights, mm. and building up to that, you've got six weeks of rehearsals, and it, and it and it peaks like it really really snowballs the rehearsals leading up to opening night. Right. You get into tech runs, and you're on stage just standing there in a heavy costume, waiting for them to light you. It's really physical and intense, and then. So you've been through, imagine they've just done 15 months of COVID, they're in a show, they've done six weeks of rehearsals and they might not make their opening night. And that happened to a good few different shows, few different people. Again, I'm not saying anything that's not known really, Um, but it's amazing what a performer will push through to get on for opening night. They amazed me. I was like, this one's not gonna go on and this one's not gonna go on. They all went on and they were fine. But that is, honestly, I've never seen like this particular opening night session, like over all the different shows that we worked on, July, July opening was mainly it. How many performers I would normally have taken off and they begged me to go on. And it, in, in fairness, it just, it might've made their injury a bit worse, but it was nothing. And did, that, did you learn a lot from that then? Yes, I because was like, I think oh, I'll never sign anyone off again. Yeah, that's helpful, isn't it? Sometimes yeah. to think, oh, maybe I was hyper-cautious and never thought totally, of yeah. Totally, totally. I mean, in reality, actually, a couple of them probably still need to come off and rehab properly, but they can still do the show. Sure. And, and that's what they're there for. Like you said, it's a limited timeline of a career. And I'm so glad that the people that went on for opening nights that I wanted to take off did. And I was like, look, this is the risk. You all, we know what the company knows. I know you know what the risks are, but you want to do it. That's fine. We've got a, we've got a, a plan in place if you do need to come off. 
and they all did it and i was like yeah it's like that's a real interesting mental one like just the adrenaline that'll get, get you through you know people's parents had flown over from different countries to see them in opening nights and they will push through stuff to get those shows done and i Olympic, definitely learned from it um, it's years back but uh, not this olympics but uh, an olympic trialist uh, that i that i got better for that that i didn't think was ready and we just gave it a whirl because it was such high stakes and that went brilliantly and i learned that lesson yeah. that i was being over cautious and similarly a cup final a few years ago where the same right. thing had happened whereby you know if anything and they just surprised everyone and, and, and everyone was probably coddling them and you've got to learn from those things and sometimes it takes for this context to be so specific for us to for us to give it a whirl and so yeah there are some upsides to, to that as well as unfortunately the stories where it, unfortunately they push themselves or the circumstance pushes them into a, into a mistake but let's come to some of these comments and questions then we're not going to be able to get to them all I'm afraid um, but Joe asked earlier, she said, with dancers, is there a perfectionist element? If I can't do it right, I won't do anything. She did change her mind when you started to mention about the fact that on the off-season, people down tools a bit. But is there a factor like that that she's describing? Uh, oh, it's really individual, I think. Um, right. I don't know. Not necessarily. Um, just I'm just trying to think of generally people that I know who I've danced with and people that I know mm. working as a physio. I, I think, like... A, using me as an example you'll know from twitter like quite off over the lockdown i was going crazy and i ended up dancing with the wall do you remember that i did so i was dancing tango and i used the wall as my partner so that i had something to push against and i, I was like i will dance whether it's with a person or with the wall in my living room and i'm going to just put it on social media because it's you know it's it's what you do but so nothing you're a performer because you show it that's good it's, you do it for people to see right so so there was an element that was a long way from being perfect so i wanted to dance in a, in a like a room with a partner doing tango but it wasn't an option so i made it work another way i even put my full gear on i put on a tango dress heels everything and filmed it and it made me help my mental health i was really low that day i remember thinking mm. god um so i i don't think it's perfect or nothing at all probably is for some people it's really individual isn't it yeah fair play but the only thing that was sort of very much perfect was our our pose off of course which will go down in oh. history um, <laughs> oh, yeah. ash james has, ash james has said the weighted calf raises i do really helped the moonwalking in my living room to billy jean when no one else <laughs> a perfect example of what we're talking about ash thank you for that yeah very specific to his his dancing he does yeah. then follow up with a, a, a slightly smarter point with his occupational health hat on, dancers are the ultimate industrial athletes. Industry, in, in, interestingly, other high-performance environments I've worked in mainly rugby, cross-training is well accepted. But in hockey health, similar culture to dancers. Uh, and then he says, sorry, mm -hmm. when do I fit it in? This, um, this is the thing. It's the fitting it in. And that's logistically what I am now trying to work out with the company, the dance captains, and my boss, our company. How do we do it? We know we need to do it, but there is no time. The The only thing I've come up with so far is that probably for this contract, which is a year long, this is for every show going, we're probably too late in fairness. But right. next year, when those dancers get the audition, the day they're told they've got those jobs, I will be there with an online and written down and something and Zoom version of a conditioning class slash program that they will have to complete before they come to rehearsals. That's the only solution I've got. Because before they start those that job, they're usually off. They've usually got at least a few weeks, sometimes longer. And that's the only time I can see when we can get them up to scratch and stronger mm. that, that won't overload them, that it will affect their rehearsals. So that's my plan. Brilliant. Is to kind of, yeah, use what I learned this this season, all the different shows, what are the demands of this part, this part, this part, this part, because yeah. they're not all the same. No, of course. And literally make individualized programs. If you get the role of so-and-so, this is the conditioning plan for you. 
and you can individualize it but mm. i reckon that would be brilliant we take a lot of buying and stuff but i'm willing to do it well if you especially easy. if you go that step if, you, if you're able to to i mean it sounds so close to perfect but if you went there even that step further and then tailored it to some of their say injury history and stuff so you then yeah. get the profile of the part and the profile of the the recruit What's the, what's the is it recruit or what would you call it? And then if you move those things, brilliant. No, yeah. I'm, as ever, I'm afraid we're out of time, and that's a shame. We could talk for hours uh, about this and many other things, but uh, just point people in the direction of where they can find out a little more about you, mate. Twitter's the place, isn't it? I guess so. Liz Bailey, uh, no, Liz Bailey Twitter, <laughs> Liz, Liz Bailey Physio. Um, I've got a website which is lizbaileyphysio.com, which needs massive updating. Don't look at it yet um what else <laughs> that'll probably do you you can google me and a star and of course a star webinar at physiomatters.com did my therapy live talk with you guys yeah it was mega so yeah thanks as ever you star it's been brilliant to chat with you and uh, good luck with it all especially when it gets back going again thank you all the best bye see ya